Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word because it is good and it is right and it is the best. And so, Lord, would you open our hearts and our minds to what you would say to us. And we will give you the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to welcome those of you who are watching online and also are in the, in the community center. Glad you're with us today. When my wife and I were newly married, uh, we went on a hike together in the Sierra Nevada mountains uh, in Northern California. We were visiting my father-in-law, who owned a cabin at Donner Lake, uh, which is by Lake Tahoe, and uh, my wife wanted to take us on this hike up to a place where she'd uh, hiked and swam as a little girl. Uh, so we packed up some food and put our dogs in the car and headed off, uh, and then began hiking up this trail. Well, my wife had told me about these childhood memories that she had of this, this lake, and so I was really excited to see it. But it turned out the lake was a little bit farther than we thought it was, and it didn't quite look like the lake my wife remembered when she was a child. Turned out her childhood lake was kind of a small little pond that was more mud than pond, <laughs> and it stunk. So... <laughs> There was no way we were swimming in that. The dogs didn't even want to go in it, and they swam in everything. Well, uh, it was good for a few laughs, and then we turned around and started hiking down the trail again. Uh, and uh, as we did, uh, we were a little bit nervous because it was getting late, and the sun was starting to go down, and we're in the Sierras, so we wanted to, you know, hurry back uh, and get back before uh, it got dark. Well, uh, so we started walking fast, and that worked good as a strategy until we came to the first fork in the trail. Uh, and uh, it dawned on us at that point that in our haste to get up the trail, right, and get to the lake, um, we just hadn't been paying attention to which path we'd gone on when the, when the, when the trail came to a fork, right? So uh, it all made sense to us when we were on our way up, but on the way down, everything looked really different, and we didn't know which way to go. We were lost. Well, the short story is that uh, when we stopped, the dogs kept going, and they managed to, they kind of took this one little path uh, at the fork and kept going, so uh, we, we, we followed the dogs, and, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, as we were going along with them, it turned out that uh, they were right. Uh, we recognized several of the landmarks, and so when we came to the next fork in the trail, the same thing happened. Dogs kept going. We followed the dogs. They were right. It was like they were saying, we got it from here. And so that's what we did. We followed the dogs down the rest of the trail and made it back to the car. Then I threw away my hiking boots and gave up hiking. <laughs> But I will never forget that experience of standing in the middle of the forest when the sun is starting to go down, not knowing which direction to go in, not having a clue of being lost, not knowing where to go. You ever been there? Or how about this? His email was tagged as urgent, reminding me that I had officiated uh, the wedding for he and his wife several years earlier. Uh, their marriage had been good. They'd had a couple of kids. He'd been successful in his job. He'd made a lot of money. Uh, they bought a house and some cars, but then the bottom fell out of the economy, and uh, he started to work harder, stay up late, get up early, um, and the stress was almost uh, unmanageable for him. Well, uh, his marriage started to unravel, and it wasn't long before he and his wife were nothing more than cordial roommates. Well, then he'd met a woman, and he'd had a brief emotional affair, and, but his wife found out. And now he was calling me or emailing me for help. 
His marriage was a mess. He was a mess. He didn't know which way to go. He was lost. We all get lost from time to time. Maybe you're there today. You may not know how you got there. She told you that she doesn't love you anymore, and maybe she didn't ever love you, and now she wants you to move out. Or you need to make some decisions about what school or what major or what career you're going to go after, but you don't know which one to choose. It's overwhelming. Or your life has become all about your kids and you feel like all you are is a shuttle driver or a laundry service or a, 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 a homework cop and you never thought your life would turn out like this. Or maybe you've purposed your life around developing a career that's provided for your family, would provide a good life for your family. Um, but suddenly now it all seems so shallow, so meaningless and you're realizing that your kids are getting older and you are following more the details that are happening in the office more so than the details that are happening in your kids' lives. Or maybe you keep doing the same thing over and over again, things you know you shouldn't be doing, things you promised you wouldn't be doing, but you're doing them anyway. Or you feel like your best days are behind you and the days that you have ahead don't look like much to you. You're lost. And you're looking around, and you're looking at yourself in the mirror one morning, and you realize that you've lost connection with the you that is staring back. You're not sure who you are anymore, and you don't know what you're going to do. Well, this Sunday is the last in our summer series called Encounters with Jesus. And we've been looking at and studying people who had a one-on-one -on -one encounter with Jesus. And we've been looking at how their lives were changed as a result. And at the center of this particular story, we, we read about this man, Zacchaeus. His name is an abbreviation of the Jewish name Zechariah, which means righteous one or pure one, which is this huge contradiction in terms because that's hardly the life that, Zac uh, that Zacchaeus is living at this time. The text tells us that Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector, which was a profession that was known for its unethical practices. Rome's method of collecting taxes was to employ local businessmen like Zacchaeus, who would then bid on uh, the government contract for collecting taxes. Uh, and the agreed-upon amount of the, 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 the bid was actually the amount then that Zacchaeus would owe to the government. Well, as a chief tax collector, Zacchaeus would employ other local tax collectors who then would go out throughout the district collecting taxes and anything that they could collect from the people over and above the contract to the government, well, then that was all theirs to keep. So tax collectors had this reputation for being traitors because they were working for the Roman government and they had a reputation for being thieves because it was like they were stealing the people's money. But then Zacchaeus hears Jesus is coming down Main Street, Jericho. Don't you just wish you could be there, you know? And there is this crowd of people, but Zacchaeus can't see because Zacchaeus is vertically challenged. So he runs down the road to this tree and climbs this tree, which is more a sign of desperation than clever thinking. Because climbing a tree in that day in a row was much like standing on a ladder with a dress. It was a little drafty and not a real pretty sight. <laughs> Especially for a chief executive like Zacchaeus. But it's from that vantage point, it's from that place in the tree 
that Zacchaeus began the journey that would bring him face to face with Jesus and to the critical crossroads that we all face sometime in our lives, that there has to be more, a better way, a more meaningful existence, that the way it is can't possibly be the way it's always going to be. We need a wayfinder. We need Jesus. It was when Zacchaeus was in that place, a place of desperation as a thief, as a traitor, desperate, lonely, deceptive, caught up in a tree. It's in that place, living that kind of life, that Jesus met him where he was and called him by name to come down to a new way of life. Now, one of my favorite games to play as a kid was hide-and-go-seek. You remember that game? You ever played that game? Anybody? I love that game. <laughs> Several kids from the neighborhood, all of them friends, at least before they played the game, you know, they, they all show up and get together, and then they choose one kid to be it. And that kid has to go off by himself, close his eyes, count to some really high number, and then everyone else runs away and hides. It's a great self-esteem builder, really. <laughs> well, I used to love that game. Uh, love it. Not, not so much the finding part, but I used to love the, the hiding part. Hiding is an art. You know, you got to know where to hide, the places where people aren't going to look, and you got to know, even if they look there, you know, they're not going to see you. Hiding is such an art. You know, ollie, ollie, oxen free. Remember that part? <laughs> what does that phrase mean anyway? <laughs> you know, but somehow, universally, that phrase has come to mean, come out, come out from wherever you are. Get found. Now, it's interesting to me that the first words Jesus speaks to Zacchaeus are, come down immediately. Jesus doesn't ask Zacchaeus why he's up in this tree. Jesus doesn't ask Zacchaeus what he wants Jesus to do. And there's no shame game going on. Jesus doesn't, say, doesn't wonder how the pure one could mess up his life so badly. Jesus just simply looks at Zacchaeus and says, come down immediately. Wherever you are today, whatever is going on in your life, whatever place you are in, come out, come out from wherever you are. Come as you are, not as you think you ought to be. And don't hesitate. Don't wait until you got it all together. Do it now, messy as you are, confused as you are, struggling as you are, distracted, uh, obsessed, weak, but wanting something different, a different life, a different way, a different love, a different hope, a different reason for being, a new life. So let me ask you this morning, what is going on in your life that has you up in the tree, lost, unsure of which way to go? There's only one power in the universe that can liberate us, and his name is Jesus. And he is calling you by name to come out, come out of the place you're in, and let him show you the way. Well, the crowds are absolutely blown away that Jesus would go to Zacchaeus' home and have lunch with him. And in that culture, eating together was like being family with one another. And it's in being with Jesus, eating with Jesus, talking with Jesus face to face that somewhere deep down Zacchaeus begins to realize that this man, this Jesus, 
can rescue him from the mess that he is in. And what happens next is one of the biggest surprises of this text. In verse 6, Zacchaeus says, Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Well, Zacchaeus is making this radical break from the life that he's been living. Uh, He's getting out of the, the ripping off business, and instead he's going to be paying people back and helping the poor. Jesus invites us to come out from wherever we are, to come down immediately, and to let him show us the way. But the second part to finding our way happens when we break away from the life that we've been living. Uh, Break away from from that life. Let it go. Turn and walk in a different direction. Make amends. Confess what we need to confess to the people we've hurt. Say we're sorry. The Bible calls that repentance. Now, my son and I went camping last week, uh, car camping, because uh, I can bring things like a big air mattress. Uh, The older I get, the more I realize I need a good night's sleep, you know. And we have several little rituals that we do during our camping trip, like uh, eating pie for breakfast, because we can, and we can't get away with it at home. (laughs) Well, we found this great campsite on the Entiet River and uh, set up camp, uh, then got our fishing gear and headed out, uh, went wading out into the river. Now, um, I had bought my son these new lures. Uh, I was fly fishing. He was using just a regular rod and reel, and I'd, I bought him all these new lures, which he'd arranged nicely in his tackle box and put on a rock in the middle of the river. So uh, I'm about 100 yards from my son fly fishing when out of the corner of my eye I noticed this tackle, uh, this you know, little rectangular box floating by. It's his tackle box. And immediately I, I thought of all the money I'd spent on those new lures and tackle now rushing by me. So I reeled in my line and I started running after the tackle box, which actually looks more like slipping and falling because that's what I'm doing all over myself. And while it's really apparent to you, very obvious to you, uh, it wasn't to me at the time that I'm 50 years old and my legs and brain don't work together or move as fast as they once did. So then I was soaking wet, banged up from smacking on the rocks, staring helplessly at at the increasing distance between me and the tackle box. And at that point, it became clear that this time, this time I wasn't going to be the hero dad. I wasn't going to be able to save the day, grab the tackle box, you know, win my son's favor this way. And as that thought danced across the surface of my mind, I had another thought, a lot more reasonable and life-giving than the first thought that had me in this river running after the tackle box, and that thought was this, let it go. That's right. That's right. Get out of the river now. So I did that reluctantly. And by that time, my son had caught up to me, and the two of us watched his tackle box disappear into the horizon and most likely floated into the hands of some lucky fisherman downstream who now owns a bunch of stuff that I paid for. Why? Why does it take us so long to get to the place where we recognize that uh, we need to let it go and to get out of the river? 
Maybe it's that desire to be super dad or super something just to save the day. Or maybe it's misplaced priorities, you know, a little confused priorities. You know, save the tackle tackle box but nearly die trying. Or maybe it's just wishful thinking that this time everything will work out fine in spite of what everyone around me is saying. Maybe it's several of those things. But the truth is that there is not a lot that Jesus can do to help us find our way when we're still holding so tightly onto the life that we've been living, onto the things that caused us to get lost in the first place. You have to let it go and take the steps that will move you in a different direction. Talk to a pastor or a trusted friend or a counselor. Read read the Bible. Pray. Confess what you need to confess to Jesus or to the other people around you that you've hurt. Make amends. Get balance in your life between work and rest, play and worship. Ask someone to hold you accountable who will ask you the tough questions, the hard questions, questions you don't really want to be asked, but who will ask those anyway. But whatever you do, whatever you do, don't stay in the place you're in. Get out. Now Zacchaeus has come down immediately out of this tree and he's recognizing uh, he needs Jesus to help him find his way. And Zacchaeus has broken away from the life that he's been living because you just can't keep doing what you've been doing and expect to get something different than what you've been getting. You've got to get out of the river. You've got to make some changes. You've got to repent. Now, uh, Jesus saves the best for last. And immediately after Zacchaeus announced that he's had this change in direction, he's going a different way, Jesus says in verse 9, Today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Now names are really important, especially back then. Our name is something that identifies us and it differentiates us from the other people around. My name is Rich Leatherberry and You may be thankful that yours isn't, but it makes us different. It labels us differently. Uh, But a name in biblical times was much more significant than that. It was a way of describing who a person was. It described their character, their essence, their nature. It shaped the plot of the story that they would live with the rest of their lives. All of us have a birth name, but many of us have other names, other names that we have picked up along the way. Names which break us down, which minimize us, which make us less. Names like unloved or unworthy or undesirable that we receive from a broken relationship or from a a grievous act of betrayal. Names like failure or stupid or pathetic or loser, which we were given by an abusive situation or maybe by a stern parent or a teacher. We all have picked up some names along the way, names which shape us, names which write the life script that we are living out, Uh, names which sort of direct the decisions that we make, the relationships that we are in, the way we perform at school or in the office, what we think is possible or impossible. And at some point, these names, we, we begin to act, we, we believe that, that they're true about us. Be- and, and, and because we believe that they are true, we begin to live like they are true. 
Maybe you repeatedly end up in one bad relationship after another because somewhere along the way you learned that your name was worthless. Or maybe, maybe it's that you're afraid to take a risk and try something new because somewhere along the way you received the name failure. Or maybe, maybe it's that you work too long or too hard and you can't, you can't finish anything until it's perfect because somewhere, someone named you never will amount to anything. But these names, they're all a lie. They're all lies. Lies which wreck us. And try that again. They're lies which wreck us and make a mess of us. And they steal away the you that God has designed you to be. But look what Jesus does in this text. Right in front of everyone, he takes the names the people of Jericho had, he, t- they, he takes the name the people of Jericho had given Jesus, this name sinner, a name which meant wicked, which meant devoted to doing the wrong thing. And Jesus gives Zacchaeus a new name and calls him by that name, son of Abraham, a name which meant chosen, loved, part of the family of God. And when Jesus did that, he changed everything for Zacchaeus. He gave him a new identity. He gave him a new purpose. He gave him a new eternity. Now, I don't know what false names you've been living with, names which have shaped you or written your life script, but I do know him whose name means Savior, Rescuer, the one who helps us find our way. He breaks the power of these false names. No longer will you be called wounded or outcast, lonely or afraid. He crushes the lie, and the transforming power of his love gives us a new name, and he calls us by that new name, confidence, joyfulness, overcoming one, friend of God, faithfulness, one who seeks God's face. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That includes you and it includes me. And this encounter with Zacchaeus was Jesus' last encounter before entering Jerusalem for the final time. And in the week that would follow, he would be betrayed, beaten, whipped, spit on, and hung on a cross to die. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And now there is no one so lost that Jesus cannot find them. No sin so big that Jesus can't wash it clean. No guilt so filthy that Jesus cannot forgive it. No sickness or suffering can conquer you. No false names or lies can identify you. Because Jesus seeks and Jesus saves, he finds and he rescues, he recovers and he restores, and he will make you new. When you let Jesus come into all of your life and take the steps to get you, uh, where you uh, out of where you have been, when you do that, then you will be filled with his love, live in his freedom, overcome by his victory, and he won't let you lose your way. So Lord Jesus, would you do that for us? Would you come into all of our lives, not just a little bit? Lord, Create in us a spirit of openness that you could have it all. And Lord, would you show us the way, what we need to give up, what we need to hang on to. Lord, what you have for us in our lives. Awaken us, Lord, to the new identity you have given us. 
that we would live into the, 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 the identity, the person, the gifts that you have created us to live into. And we will give you the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.